Okay, here we go. Welcome to Don't Call Me a Guru. I'm Tyler Butler. And I'm Linda Huang. Uh, this week, we're super excited to have a special guest. Deepika Mitra is a therapist, stress expert, and self-care advocate. She helps individuals develop tools within themselves to be their best self, personally and professionally. Deepika is also an in-demand speaker, so we're lucky to have her, uh, whose talks inspire attendees to become active agents in their own well-being. She has recently authored uh, Social Media and Technology, How to Use It Without Being Consumed by It, like Linda and I are. (laughs) Based on her clinical work, uh, this guide helps individuals take back control and increase their personal wellness. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Let's jump right in. Um, You've said one of the reasons you wrote your ebook uh, is that you're noticing dependence on social media and technology and issues related to that were coming up more frequently in your client sessions and work workshops. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what kind of things you were witnessing? Uh, Did people cite social media and technology as an issue or did you kind of discover that more and more people were, were having that issue? Um, Well, I'd have to say it's a little bit of both. And so definitely the topic was coming up more and more frequently in the course of my discussion. So often when I meet with somebody for the first time, we'll start talking about, you know, what are you doing? What are your concerns? What's been going on? Um, And often there is a component of social media that plays into that. And so um, there are maybe relationship problems, maybe the girlfriend or the boyfriend isn't so happy that they're spending so much time on their phone um, or connected to some sort of technology. Um, But often it's maybe even like when there's been a breakup that's happened, it's still, oh, I'm looking at my feed and I'm seeing that person and what they're doing. And so the um, interdependence of our lives with technology and social media was just becoming more and more apparent and um, often becoming a topic that I was chatting about with clients. And so it just seemed kind of like a natural progression to be first talking about it and then authoring the book. Specializing in in it, basically, yeah? Yeah, well, one of the things that's happened is that in my profession, um, a lot of the kind of older generation isn't on social media. And so um, my relationship with social media is also firsthand. I'm on it. I use it. My family, my friends expect me to be. Um, Now, to a certain degree, so do my clients. And so um, I do have a lot of clients that come to me because they get that I'm also on it, right? I'm not saying, oh, it's over there and don't use it and expecting them to be like that. Um, it's more about navigating that relationship. It's really relatable because because you're going through it as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Firsthand. Um, so your ebook is available entirely uh, for free online. Um, no sign up or registration required. Uh, we, we thought that was interesting. Why did you choose to share your insights um, this way? And have you found social media uh, marketing, uh, using social media market the book and yourself effective? Um, so kind of two-part question. The the first piece, the reason that I put it out there on my website as free content was just because I'd really like people to have access to it. Um, the first thing was that it was taking up a lot of my session time. And so I thought, well, you know what, I can free up and do some work that people can actually um, do more one-on-one. And this is things that they really could maybe get a handle on on their own. So put that up on there. Um, we will be putting it all together into a book and then people can sign up and download the whole thing if they would like to down the road. Um, But the first thing was just that the content be available. So um, the second part of that, has it been effective? Uh, Definitely, I've had some clients really appreciating it and kind of coming into the office and saying, oh, yeah, I read that piece. And that was really about something that I'm struggling with. So thank you. Um, Those types of things. And, you know, it has resulted in a little bit more in terms of speaking and 
So hopefully, um, kind of keep seeing how that goes, but it's quite new. It just finished kind of getting out there in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think one of the reasons we're asking is you, you kind of, you're, you're on both sides, right? You're, you're helping people with, with social media in your profession, but you're also using it for your marketing purposes, right? So yeah, and it is kind of comedic. I mean, I've had my colleagues kind of tease me about that and say, you know, Deepika, you here you are, you've written this book, and now you're putting it on your blog, like what, (laughs) what gives? Um, But the reality is, is that is the best way to get things out there right now. Um, It's easily accessible, and it's no cost both to me and to the clients. And so that's really where it's at. Um, And the other piece that really goes hand in hand with that is that the book is written for people who are on social media and technology all the time. So if I want to capture that audience, um, what better way to do it, right? So I've noticed every time we've emailed back and forth that I get a bounce back (laughs) saying that uh, you not only preach your message, but you're living your message, um, which is which is great. So I'm wondering what what kind of advice do you have for people uh, to have a healthy relationship with social media? Well, definitely my my email bounce back is something that gets me a lot of flack and also a lot of interest <laughs> at the same at the same time. Um, and I know it's not something that everyone can do. And so just kind of um, background on that, it kind of came from this place where it was about me setting boundaries and not having to be responsive all of the time. And I know everybody doesn't have the liberty to do that, but there's lots of great ideas around setting boundaries, really making sure that maybe, you know, I check my email when I get into the office or when I leave the office. It depends on your job. And so I don't think there's a prescription that we can really hand out, but it's more about looking at what you're doing and seeing if it's effective. If it is, fantastic. But if it isn't, start to make some changes that really benefit your lifestyle. Do you find that when you are, you know, you do have that email that's saying, I will get back to you after I've taken care of myself. Uh, I I would think that I would be thinking about the emails that I'm getting and, you know, and, and that I'm sort of ignoring it. Do you ever go through that or are you pretty, you're pretty good about that at this stage now? <laughs> I'd say at this stage I am. It's been quite a few years since I've had that on my email and it started from um, Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. He really suggests things like setting email reminders and, and use using technology to um, help you be your best self, really to be able to be as productive as possible. And so I kind of went, well, you know what, this is in alignment with what I want to do. Um, And because I'm not in the office full time, I wanted to be able to not be in the office when I wasn't there, both mentally and physically. Um, So definitely at the beginning, it was a little bit of practice. (laughs) And I would find myself kind of checking in a little bit more worrying about things. But now it's become routine. And so um, not only do I not really partake in it that much, but the people who are emailing me also know what my limits are and they don't expect to hear back from me as quickly. So it, yeah, takes a bit of practice. I think that's like something I've learned in my role as a social media manager is like you don't have to respond to everything right away. And often it's best, like, especially if you're in a really heated or emotional conversation to like take that step back and kind of think through like how am I going to answer this person or maybe you have to go through a process um I've really learned to like not have that ticking time bomb of like I need to be I need to have answered this half an hour ago but it means I think my work's better and I don't stress as much yeah (laughs) definitely I'm glad to hear it um and it is one of those things that I think you start to 
you're always teaching people how to treat you. And so if I'm on my email or I'm on my text message and the minute you send me something, I'm, you know, responding immediately. There's that expectation. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, the more you do that, the more it becomes the expectation that you have to do that. And Mm -hmm. then if you take some time back, then people start thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Or have I done something to piss her off or anything like that? Um, Whereas if you just take a pause and really for me in a way it's a practice of mindfulness right yeah. just take a minute you don't have to always be responsive I think uh, that's a good note too from a community manager perspective is setting expectations so I know um, previously in some accounts uh, that I've handled you sort of designate and you see this with like the big phone companies and, and cable companies and they're saying well we're done after five that's right and then people know that so yeah so setting that expectation of, of what to expect so they don't get upset yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um, could you talk to, talk to us a little bit about um, what you think of social media addiction and um, you know the role that we as social media marketers play in that like are are we making this worse (laughs) are we making this problem worse (laughs) well I think the reality on us yeah yeah (laughs) okay um well I think that the reality is addiction with social media and technology is real you know and um it's something that has become so accepted to be you know checking your phone or you know digging through emails while you're in conversation with somebody that we don't even notice it. Um, But to me, it's a lot about that impulse and can you control it? You know, if these things are serving your life and it's working for you, fantastic. But my kind of learning has been that it's not, you know, for a lot of people turning off their phone or leaving it out of the room, out of a conversation leads to anxiety, right? They're starting to feel like, oh, I should be checking it or what happened? Did I miss something? Um, And part of that is around personal stuff, you know, things like the text messages that might be coming in from a friend or family member. But a lot of that is actually about social media streams and making sure that they're staying on top of the conversation so that they can be engaged in it. Um, Now, the catch-22 with that is that you could be super engaged with your, you know, social media stream, but what are you missing out on in real life, right? So um, our are, you know, media marketing playing into that? You know, I think there is a reality that there's a part to it because you want people to be engaged, right? And so social media is that piece. And it's kind of a funny line for me too, because I'm on social media and here I am telling people not to be on social media. Um, But I think it's about using it and you being in charge of it right? So that when you're using social media, you decide, yeah, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to follow these people. And you have really good information coming in. It's not just noise. So something along that lines that I've like personally struggled with is as like the news cycle gets a little crazier and crazier every day. Mm -hmm. um, It's kind of hard to pull away from like all these crises coming in one after the other. Like, I've implemented in my life, I, I don't check the news on weekends anymore. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like yeah. taking little vacations. And I also find I maybe other social media managers feel this way, but I spend so much time on social media. Like as soon as I get home, You're done. I'm like, I don't want to do You're this. You're done. Anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I but, feel that way, but I find that I still check my phone. <laughs> I'll still check my feeds, but in my head, I'm like, man, it'd right. be nice if I could stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
so it, are you saying like it's kind of up to each individual person in the in our, in our audiences to to control their own relationships with social media because i know from my perspective i'm trying to write things i'm i'm reading articles about behavioral science i'm doing all yeah. these tactics to try to get people's attention uh, and get them engaged with the content that i'm putting out so i guess i'm wondering like in in your opinion how responsible are we for having making sure our audience has a healthy relationship with us? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, personal responsibility is where it's at. You know, every person's um, role in terms of their work is very different and their obligations to use technology and social media are very different. Um, I think it becomes a slippery slope because we start to think we need to do it for personal reasons as well. So we start to have to be really discerning about, am I doing it because I have to for work? Um, am I going to kind of be getting in trouble with the boss if I'm not doing this versus it's just become a habit and I don't know how to live any other way. Um, and the reality is, is that when you have to put out content, you want it to be good content. And so I don't think it's any fault of yours in that way. I think that everybody has to decide what content they need or want to be partaking in. Um, there is just far too much out there to be able to take it all in. Mm -hmm. um, and again, coming back to that point that if you're on there and you're consuming all of that information online, what are you missing out? You know, have you noticed that the weather's gotten nice in Edmonton? Have you been in the River Valley? Have you seen your neighbor or your kid or your wife? I don't know. Um, really, I mean, sometimes I've got people coming in and they're saying to me, like, I am so on my screen that I don't know anything else that's happening. And is it, do you find, I mean, for us and for probably a lot of our listeners, um, because social media is their job and, and there is sort of that, you mentioned it, that expectation, oh, am I going to get in trouble from my boss if I'm not responding to this on social media? Um, with some of your clients, if social media isn't their job and they're just doing it out of habit, um, that's one thing. But but do you have, I guess, um, any starting point tip on how social media community managers can still manage that 24-7 sort of news cycle, social media content cycle? but still in a healthy way. I think the biggest piece around it is around having conversations, you know, with your employer, with your colleagues to be really cognizant of the demands and of what it takes to do that. Because one of the big pieces I've seen is that people who don't have that as their job responsibility don't really get it. Right. And so my clients kind of feel like they've landed when they come to chat with me because I'm not trying to tell them like, oh, well, you're being unrealistic or this isn't part of social media. It's not 24 seven. You're just being crazy. The reality is it is. And so then from that place, how do you then start to set up boundaries? How do you ask for help? Right. So I've worked with a lot of people around getting them to have um, discussions with their employer to maybe get the social media piece to not just be on one person's plate to kind of broaden that out to maybe think about having things like evenings designated to somebody else or to set maybe some you know standards with their organizations that we don't respond after this time or that kind of thing um, and that really helps but if you don't start the conversation you never know what you can do with it. Uh, I think one of the things I wanted to ask you about is like the emotional side of being a social media manager. Um, specifically, like, I've noticed in my work whenever we do issues-driven stuff, literally post-Trump, 
yeah. uh, I get a real like uptick in just hateful, like vile comments. And like a lot of that does land on me because I mm-hmm. don't trend, I don't walk up to the team and say like, oh, I just read the most terrible thing <laughs> yeah, I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what kind of tips do you have for people who are managing these communities that are a little more fraught? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, definitely I've seen that a lot, um, you know, with folks who are working in politics, especially, that's very predominant. Um, but, you know, I think the real piece is that you have to know that it's not about you, right? And so remembering that, unfortunately, the anonymity that social media provides lets people say things that they would never say face-to-face and um, behave in manners that aren't acceptable. Um, shutting that down, I think, is really important. So making sure that some of that gets taken out and not engaging in that conversation, right? It's kind of the same as when you talk to kids about bullying behavior, right? So somebody has to stand up and say like, hey, I'm not okay with this. Um, But sometimes you also have to know the line in terms of saying like, I'm just not going to engage with this because that's just going to egg it on and make it worse. Um, With social media, because you don't have that face-to-face, often it is just not engaging with it and, and being able to gain support sometimes from a community who also gets, hey, that difficult, right? That is difficult work to kind of see that messaging coming in, to hear it, to feel like it's on you. Um, And then again, setting those boundaries so that you're not always doing those things. Does that help you? Uh Uh-oh. A weight is lifted. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think sort of as a social media manager, you have to have, or you have to try to at least have a thick skin or develop a thick skin, which is, I mean, it's hard to do sometimes with the the kind of content that, that you're faced with. And I agree. And it's funny that, you know, you're looking at it from this perspective and I would look at it from, say, a clinical perspective. You know, the content that I hear every day at my job is also difficult, right? And so um, early on in my career, I used to actually have family members and friends telling me, you're doing the wrong job because I would be so emotional about things and really stressed from hearing client stories. And the reality is, is that you do learn with practice, right? You do learn to leave some of that at work. You develop a community of people to talk to you about the really difficult pieces and get support with that. And then, you know, you also learn to have a really bad sense of humor about some of it. (laughs) (laughs) So There's just different ways of coping. That's definitely been my approach is like, you know, if I have to involve other people is just kind of chatting about it with them and like talking through it, Uh, but also having like a great, like a really morbid sense of humor about it it happens in every profession I think it it totally does because it's a way that humans cope right now I just tell the team like as long as no one says anything just like violently racist I'm happy (laughs) yeah and I used to work in a media so like newsrooms just you're with like car crashes and murders it's just you just completely start to to step back from it and it's like another day (laughs) it's just another day totally and I mean there is a piece of me though as I hear you say that goes we know there's also help for that right because um it is really traumatic to hear difficult stuff all the time and so the other side of that that kind of goes part and parcel is to make sure that if it is getting too much to seek help right to make sure you have a place to vent about that and to learn some individual coping strategies because everybody copes in different ways and so having somebody directly to work with can give you that chance to kind of figure out where am I maybe needing some support speaking of feelings which I love doing uh (laughs) there's a 
So there's this article that just came out that says Facebook has been uh, helping brands target people based on their emotional state. Uh, so using keywords, et cetera. Um, I think obviously there's some potential for to do bad with that, mm -hmm. right? Um, but uh, from my perspective where I've, I've done some content uh, planning around like student services and helping our students based on their emotional state, like there's also the potential, yeah. or, or in your industry, there's the potential to find people at the times when they really need your help. I guess I, I was just really curious what your opinion was on kind of targeting people by their current emotional state. Um, I, I mean, it, it's a little bit scary to me, right? I kind of feel when people are their most vulnerable, they could be really taken advantage of. And so this is the stuff that gets hard to navigate because who is using that, right? Mm -hmm. We sometimes start thinking about these things and it's great to know that we can do it. Um, but what are the ethics behind it? And so it's the same with any kind of smart technology. You know, now we've got the smart cars that can run themselves. Well, what if there's somebody in front of you? right? Who, who's making those decisions? I'm really leery about giving that power up. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a late taker for all of these kinds of things. And so I think for me, it's a lot about teaching people, you know, are you using social media and technology when you ought to be? right? Mm -hmm. If you're feeling really low, that's probably not the best time because you can be taken ad advantage of. Um, so I think I approach it from that angle, right? It's that I know it's out there. I know it's happening. And I want to give people the skills to engage with those things at a time where they're on top of their game, right? So they're not falling to the, mm -hmm. the victim of those things. Right. And I mean, yeah, you mentioned like there's potential for good there. I think we sort of see it, um, there's mental health associations and those helplines who, who I think uh, spend a lot of time looking for those type of trends you or bet. spikes yeah. in those type of keywords so that they can reach out and help. Um, but yeah, on the flip side, it could it could go very wrong. <laughs> uh, so what I actually really like about your, your ebook and sort of your approach is that not anywhere are you saying that you, you need to stop using social media flat out or technology flat out or put down your phone forever and turn it off. Um, so so I think I think that's really cool. And I think that's more realistic in the in the day and age that we are. And, and you sort of talk about that. Can you um, I, well, you talk about that in your ebook. Can you talk about that here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, just go read the ebook. We'll we'll end this right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all out there. <laughs> it's all out there. Um, but yeah, just that, you know, what, what's, what are realistic things that people uh, can take to be healthy, but still, you know, have your phone and, and be online? Yeah, I think a lot of it boils down to choice. And, and definitely, I'm not advocating that we throw our devices away. I don't think that is possible at all. Um, I know that my life would kind of come to a standstill in a lot of ways if I did that. Um, so the, the pieces for me is around setting the boundaries. And so some of the good ideas that I think around um, having device-free zones is one of my favorite things. And so that's the idea that, you know, maybe a certain space in your house like the bedroom or the dining area is device free. So while you're in that space, you're really able to engage with the people that you're with and the activity that you're doing. Um, another slightly different take on the same kind of idea is to have a device free activity. Um, and I like this a little bit more because it has a bit of a broader scope. So um, I can say my dining room is device free and that's great because it makes my meals while I'm at home, um, social media and technology free. But then if I go to your house, is that suddenly not a rule anymore? Or if I'm out for dinner in the city, 
Um, so for me, sometimes really making it about the activity can be helpful. Um, but again, it's about figuring out what those relationships are. And I've got kind of a funny story about that because you do get the bounce back with my email saying that, you know, I'm outliving my message and I'm not, te- I'm not on technology all the time. So it might take me a bit to get back to you. And then I've gotten some flack from people because they'll say, well, I checked the timestamp on your email, Deepika, and you emailed me at 11.30 last night. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's really, it's really amusing because they're, they're, you know, they're calling me to task and saying like, you say that you're not supposed to do this. So you and, know where to start with this person. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, okay. But the reality is, is that, well, hey, did you know that the reason I'm responding to emails at 11 o'clock at night is because I actually didn't check emails all day, you know, and I've got a young child at home. And so for me, um, optimizing my time is sometimes about making those things happen when he's asleep, right? Because I get to do all of the device-free stuff when I'm with him and we're out and in the community and really engaged with kind of quote-unquote real life. Um, And then some of those things add up. And so I do have to get to them and and sometimes 11 o'clock is the hour, right? So Um, I think one thing that people talk about social media addiction a lot. Um, but one thing that they don't talk about so much is that social media is really fun sometimes, like in a healthy way. Like, yeah. I, you know, I love posting a sometimes. nice Instagram. A lot of the times. Like, a lot you know, of the time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I wonder if you could describe like what, what does a healthy relationship look like? What does this person do every day that like, that you look at and you're like, yes, you nailed it. You have a healthy relationship with social media. And you're like, I can't help you. I can't help you anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well again, I think that this varies so much person to person and day to day, because if there is something going on in your life, then maybe you do need to be more connected. Um, but then do you need to be that connected every single day? So unfortunately I don't have, you know, a poster child that I can say, everybody should do this or be like, like this, um, it's looking at where your starting point is and making changes in the direction that you want your life to go. Um, so for example, some of the people that come to mind for me, you know, I think of one client that I had who was connected kind of all of the time and really relationships were struggling. So, um, marriage relationships with kids, no time to really socialize because, um, work was on the phone and really involved social media. Um, And now that's great. Work is getting ahead. But when I think of people and their wellness, I think of it in more of a holistic perspective. And so when we think about success, then it's, you know, he's having a lot of fun in life. He's going to the park and playing with his kids and having great relationship with his wife, right? Um, You know, or, or when we're thinking about kind of that broader perspective, it's, you know, that health is a piece that you are the biggest expert on, right? When people come in, they chat with me, and I often joke that the things I'm talking about, they're not rocket science. But what we have to do is take things that we already know and apply them to your life, right? And make it so that you can be living your best life. And when you know you've got there, then great, work is done, right? Um, Except for the catch about that is that you never get kind of a poster on the wall that says, you know, certificate of completion. You now have a certificate saying that you've got a healthy relationship. Um, I think it's a work in progress, right? Myself included. There are times that I'll think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go. I have a really specific reason that I'm going to go check something on Facebook. And then you get sucked into the feed, right? So um, I think it's always kind of keeping being a pulse and and making sure you're happy with where you're at. 
Okay, so just to wrap up, uh, I'm wondering if you can remind us of kind of what's the first step that you would recommend to someone uh, who you've just met uh, to begin to build a healthy relationship personally, professionally with social media? Um, One of my favorite starting places is really just being reflective about it. And so um, in workshops and in one-on-one work with clients, I often have people do a little exercise called life as pie. So draw yourself a little circle and then think about how you're spending your time in your average week. And so we're going to think about, you know, normal things like food consumption and commuting and sleeping and working, which often take up big chunks of our pie. Um, But then there's this weird kind of section that's often missing for people. And I'll say, well, what about social media? You know, where, where does that fit in? Or what about Netflix? How, how much of oh, the no. pie yeah. is no, it? We're not here to talk about Netflix. About Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the, the thing is, is that for me, it's about taking inventory and knowing if you look at that chart and you kind of think, yeah, I'm really happy spending seven hours a week doing this. Great. That's great. Um, If you think, well, I don't have enough time to get outside or I never get to go to the gym or I never have seen my best friend in five weeks. um, Well, where are you going to start getting some of that time? So I think the biggest piece is to start by knowing what you're doing right now and seeing if you really do want to make any changes. I'm not interested in kind of um, prescribing anything to anybody. I don't think, like I've said today, that there's a one size fits all kind of recipe. And I also so I have no interest in sort of getting people on this train if they're not wanting to be. Um, I did it because I saw my clients really struggling with it. And I did it personally because I knew that my life improved. And so when you start having tastes of that, I think you get more and more pulled into setting the boundaries and wanting to make the real life stuff take precedence. Thanks for listening to Don't Call Me a Guru. A very special thanks to Deepika for joining us today. Thanks for that amazing conversation. Um, Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Don't Call Me a Guru. We remember to say that (laughs) because we're professionals. Uh, Next month, we don't have a plan yet, but it'll be a fascinating conversation with a very special person. And uh, we'll talk to you then.